and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. And this is a podcast, God, six months in the making. Because <laughs> I feel disastrously terrible that we have not had Dieter Kurtenbach on for probably six months. Because it's just been crazy on my end. It's been crazy on your end. You're doing three yeah. or four different things. But I've got to tell you guys, he is Curtin back on the show. Oh, my God. God, Sam, had you? Did it take you six months to come up with that pile of shit right there? Is that is that what you were waiting six months for? Curtain back? Come on, get the hell yes. out of here! I'm gonna tweet that. that. I'm gonna be like, he is. Oh. I'm gonna tweet that as a oh. teaser for the show. We're recording now, and a hint is he is curtain back on the show. And <laughs> that's hard the real to, listeners that's a will full get it. giveaway. They'll yeah. get it. They'll oh, be. Yeah, they'll get it. it. They'll get it. The real listeners have uh, obviously been um, suffering through my absence. Now uh, it, it's been it's been a, a joy to listen to Sam. And yeah, we've just been so busy with I don't know you moving across the world and uh, <laughs> and me uh, having four jobs as I try to pick up everything that's going on in our our former great collective state of California. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I cross state lines to make this happen for us. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to to get it down and break down some. Uh, some NBA All-Stars, which has always been a fun topic to discuss with you. So I figured that the best way to bring you back was with a two-part podcast extravaganza. So I am going to release two (laughs) podcasts over the next two days with Dieter. We're going to talk Eastern Conference All-Stars today and those picks, and we're going to talk Western Conference All-Stars tomorrow with those picks. So before we get into that, I've just got to – the people have to know, man. You've been on the show for so many years now. This right. is probably the longest we've gone without podcasting Easy. together easily. So how, how are you doing? Tell, tell the people what's going on. Oh boy, I, I've put on a solid thirty, Sam. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, uh, it's been it's been tough in these quarantine streets, but um, no, it's it's all been it's all been good. I mean, as much as it seems like everything ha- has changed, so much stuff stays the same, and you try not to take that stuff for granted. Um, and it's funny, you know, I've had a lot of these kind of catch up conversations. Uh, as of late, just I don't know what that's about. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's them. Maybe it's a collective thing. But um, the universe speaking. But that at the same time that you think about the stuff that has changed, like I got a dog, which is very like peculiar for me uh, because I don't know. I was never a dog person. I never had a dog growing up, and now I got this big slobber and golden retriever named Moose, who uh, I'm a big fan of. Um, I don't think we have done a podcast since I got married, so there's that. Um, I mean, what? A, I mean, massive, massive things. Uh, don't tell my wife, but the dog seems more massive than the actual wedding ceremony, which we did over Zoom because it was in 2020. So there's that. But um, you know, same stuff moving forward with uh, with work and things like that. Doing KMBR and radio on the side and. Got involved in a Canadian sports betting venture and uh, been hanging out on Locker Room and uh, still doing my column for the Mercury News. And thank God the, the Warriors are better. Better is, is the only way I can describe it because I don't know if they're good, but thank goodness they're better because it, uh, it was looking pretty rough for Bay Area sports there for a minute. Well, they're certainly relevant in a way that mm. other Bay Area teams are not relevant. Like, even the Sharks <laughs> yeah. are a total nightmare oh. right now. Oh, they're, uh, they're god-awful, Sam. I mean, it's, yeah. it's actually been a blessing. I could tune them out early in the year. <laughs> um, just like it, I saw Eric Carlson try to get back once, and I go, nope, that's not it. And I just turned it off, and I haven't had to cover them since. Yeah, like, I'm going to be really interested to see how many careers are kind of just like irreparably changed by especially in hockey too where i've noticed more of it like carlson's a good example Evgeny malkin is a really good example with the penguins Mm. right now um yeah like careers that are just irreparably changed by not being able to stay in shape in the same way and like ice skating particularly is a very specific skill right you need to really be in ridiculous shape with ice skating like you can't run and that makes up for <laughs> ice skating in terms of staying like in cardio condition so how do you the explain fact, phil kessel sam well yeah right um the <laughs> fact that like these guys like didn't don't don't all have access to these ice rinks right like right. that's what Evgeny right. malkin said like he went over to russia and like he's didn't have a rink 
to go skate in right. all the time and like really keep his cardio up early in the season. So like how many careers are going to be irreparably changed by COVID is going to be very, very interesting to me as we move forward. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. So we're breaking down the NHL East and West All-Stars, right? Yeah. Let's go back to the NBA here. So <laughs> we've got the Eastern Conference starters already picked. They have been chosen. We did. We didn't do anything, but they are uh, officially out. It's not our doing because I would yeah, have with these five. Fan, is it fans, players, and media make the choices yeah. for Eastern Conference All Stars? The triumvirate of suck. Yeah, I mean, look, like the like the players <laughs> voted for. I think it was like three hundred and ten separate players got votes for oh, this. Who was the worst one? Do you know? I mean, oh, that's that's Co- what I I didn't see. Go ahead. So Costas on Tetacumpo got ten votes. I mean, what? Yeah. So that, like, okay, but I can. We might be able to explain that a little bit on the basis of he has the last name, right? Yeah, like, but like, if players are gonna like complain about media not doing shit, and then they're gonna <laughs> vote for three hundred and ten players, and look, like, I think there's absolutely a case for like most of the media that vote for these awards probably should not have award votes that affect NBA players' money, right? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But at the same token, like, guys, come on. Like, if, if you're going to complain about taking it seriously, you guys also take it seriously, too. That's all I'm asking for. Like, I'm, I'm just asking for, like, a little bit of player accountability in that regard. We, yeah. like, journalists need to also be accountable because, no doubt. holy shit, there are some bad takes out there. And I totally side with the players 90% of the time when they complain right. about the way that they're treated by journalists. But like, totally get it. This is one case where I'm like, all right, this is your chance to do something a little bit different. <laughs> and you decided to vote for 310 separate players for all star. Yeah. Like, let's I thought the Brad Wanamaker pick was a little bit much. I, I thought that that was maybe a <laughs> bit of a stretch having watched him on a near nightly basis these days. I mean, Jeff Teague getting all those votes. Not not for me. Not for me. Oh, my God. Um, OK, so the starters in the East, Kyrie Irving, Bradley mm-hmm. Beal, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes. Joel Embiid. Honestly, yeah. I I'm like totally good with those starters. Uh, you could maybe squabble with Kyrie, in my opinion. Like I, Agreed. Kyrie's definitely an all star, though. Like no question about mm-hmm. that. So. Oh yeah, no, no uh, yeah, without question. It's just a question of uh, did he play enough games? And right, uh, I think you can make the argument that he didn't. But if you say that he did, then he's absolutely a starter. Yeah. So we're gonna have to dive deep into that conversation here um okay. and i'll kind of explain as i go kind of how i did this so i picked all right. the seven all-stars that i have right. and before we get into those picks i want to first say like the guys that are in conversation i want to say the no doubters i want to say like the finalists for these picks and then uh my actual picks for these okay. spots yeah that sounds good so the guys that are in conversation, I think, for these spots. Damanis Sabonis, James Harden, Miles Turner, Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. Malcolm Brogdon, Jason Tatum, Pascal Siakam, Chris Middleton, Fred Van Vliet, Bam Adebayo, Nikola Vucevic, Jeremy Grant, Gordon Hayward, Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, and yeah. then Ben Simmons, That's Trey Young, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Jimmy Butler. I think that. That's the world you're talking about here. Those are the players Uh that are even remotely in this discussion. And I think that the best way to do this is to kind of just name the guys that I think are like no doubter reserve picks already and just knock those guys out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to go first? You want to name one? Yeah. So James Harden for me is like a no doubter. Like James Harden has to be an all star this year. Right. 100%. I'm with you. Uh, James Harden, since getting to Brooklyn, has been just fucking exceptional. Uh, he is very clearly was just not taking his time seriously in Houston. And that's right. fine. Good for him. He wanted to get out. Yeah. He wanted to get away from Tillman. Cool. It worked um, for him. It worked. It worked. I'm glad that it worked because it was getting painful. He is, since joining Brooklyn... In 17 games, 24 points, 12 assists, 8 rebounds, 50% from the field, 41% from three, 90% from the line. 
James Harden's ridiculous. James Harden is like a no question all star. He has a 60 effective field goal percentage, which is just obscene. And he's also averaging more than a steal a game as well. I think that the big thing that I've noted with James Harden since he's got to Brooklyn, and this is ironic because Brooklyn doesn't seem to want to play defense because I wouldn't play defense if I didn't have to and they don't have to. But I think his defense has gotten a lot better from even when, you know, there was narratives and BS stuff that was concocted around the fact that he isn't a complete liability. I honestly don't think he's a complete liability now. I think that the way that they play, which is really small uh, for at least the effective minutes of the game, really behooves James Harden and, and gets the most out of him on the defensive side to whatever degree that is. He is absolutely no question a no doubter all star. And um, yeah, I think that the only reason that he's not a starter is because, again, he's only played what 17 games is that was that the number so um for brooklyn yeah he, he's only played seven totally but like he got there late so what <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't know it's, i don't think it's like the baseball all-star game where you know al and nl stats are different and who we could argue about right. that for about 45 hours um I, I, he he's just he's exceptional and anyone who uh isn't anyone who doesn't think so who just isn't paying attention i mean he's um i i think that when it's all said and done he's gonna have a very strong case for mvp if he keeps this up yeah, well it's interesting because i think he's still probably second on that on like his own team right now <laughs> yeah. like kevin yeah. kevin durant and, and they have legit and they have legit three mvp candidates because when Kyrie is on um I, you just forget sometimes but and especially now when he has all this talent around him he has a little more space to operate i mean just Ridiculous. what a beautiful basketball player what a beautiful basketball player yeah, absolutely. An unbelievable player. So let's go to Kyrie's former team for the next yeah. two guys that I would say are <laughs> no doubter all stars. Like, I, I can't really. Who do, you, who do you who do you rank? I mean, we know where we're going here. Who do you rank first and who do you rank second in this? Because it's tough. So I, I think that both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are no question all stars. I would probably take Jason slightly ahead of Jalen still on the basis of defense and passing. Uh, I think that Jason has developed a bit better as a passer and Mm -hmm. his off-ball defensive acumen is a little bit more valuable to Boston than Jalen's on-ball defensive acumen. Now, they're both incredibly important. They're both... Uh, very clear all-star level players like I, I can't you can't make a team in the eastern conference without both of them in my opinion right. jalen brown is averaging 26 points six rebounds and four assists a game shooting 51 percent from the field 41 from three 76 mm. from the free throw line he's really improved mm. his patience over the course of the last two years this year he's added like a pull-up mid-range jumper uh in such a real way to where defenders can't really stop him and he's made it an efficient shot it's not like yes he has it's not like teams can give him that shot right now uh from 16 to 16 feet to the three-point line this year he's shooting 55 percent. like wow that's a great stat yeah i mean he's he's taking like three of those per game like you cannot give him that shot it's probably going to go in if you do uh and it's just totally warped the way that defenses have to defend him because he's a true three-level scorer now uh yeah this is not a guy that like struggled struggles at the rim anymore like he used to at cal this is not a guy who can't shoot like he Mm -hmm. struggled with early on in his nba career he's knocking down 40 percent of his threes he has the in-between game he has the handle he has the poise he has the patience and he has the explosive finishing ability as a cutter at the very least so i I just can't i I am I am constantly impressed by Jalen Brown and the improvements that he makes in his game. He's just a cold-blooded killer, man. I mean, that, that's the vibe that I got off of him. When, when Tatum was out for those long stretches, um, the Celtics have plenty of issues. Don't get me wrong. Um, their potential seems limitless, but um, they need better play from Kemba. We can get into all the Celtics stuff another time. But Jalen has just been a cold-blooded killer all year. And it's another reminder to kind of all of us to, you know, (laughs) be more patient with with some of these young stars that come into the league because you see the talent early and then you want it all immediately. And Jalen's 24 years old. He just turned 24 in October. Um, Before 25 years old, it is still a work in progress. And, of course, there's always more progress after 25, but that's the real – that's the real burst. That's the growth spurt for an NBA player. And then you enter your prime, and that's you know kind of what you are. Um, it, it's just been, it's been a real joy. I had him over Tatum. Not that 
Either of them should miss out, obviously, as you alluded to. Uh, I just had him over over Tatum just because I love the efficiency. Uh, you mentioned the 41% from beyond the arc. It's not like he's only getting corner threes. It's not like he's just some guy hanging out in the corner waiting for stuff to happen. He's initiating a lot of this offense. He's getting above the break threes, off the dribble stuff, and he's doing a 57 effective field goal percentage. Uh, if anyone's been a long-term fan of the show and listened to me, you know that efficiency is the name of the game for me. So you know, Harden doing 60 is absurd. Jalen Brown being three percentage points lower than that. Uh, that tells you everything you need to know, at least from my vantage point, about how good Jalen Brown has been this year. And with Tatum, um, he's just he's just a stud. And uh, the fact that he's only 22, I know some people still think he's only 19, but the fact that he's only 22 um, <laughs> gets just gets just gets me excited because he's this good. I don't know if there's been a big step forward. Actually, I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Do you feel like? Um, Jason, Jason has taken a big step forward at all in things other than what I, you did mention earlier, which is the off-ball defensive acumen, which I think we all kind of knew was coming. Yeah, you know, I think that he had those. I think that where his big step forward came was the time off between uh, the shutdown last year and the bubble. Uh, I think okay. that that's where his kind of leap came and we're still seeing the fruits of that leap, right? Like Jason Tatum became one of like, cause I'm, I did the big rookie scale rankings coming this week. Jason Tatum's one of like nine players all time to go 25, 10 and five in a playoff run. Like he played 17 (laughs) games and went 25, 10 and five last year uh, on like plus efficiency while doing so. Um, Yep. And he's basically maintained that play over the course of this mm-hmm. season. Uh, so I think that the big leap came prior to the bubble. And then unlike some guys like Donovan Mitchell has not stayed incandescently hot, right? Uh, Jamal Murray has Murray, been yeah. fine. He has not been. Well, he had like, a really nice game the other day, but he he, he right. had been, it, it had been struggle bus there for a while. Yeah. And J- Jamal's his been good. Expectations have been raised so high. It was yeah. unfair to him even. Yeah, no, like Jamal's been good the last two weeks. And I even think that like it's worth mentioning him in the Western Conference All-Stars and we'll get there whenever okay. we get there. Like, yeah, in due time. I, I don't think he can be picked, but like I think he's at least worth like a no. quick mention given the way he's played over the last few weeks. Um, Agreed. Jason is one of the few guys that I think took a real leap and then maintained that leap into this season. And I think that that's where some of the conversation has gotten lost with him because I do feel like mm-hmm. it hasn't been a disappointment, but like people haven't really discussed him in the same way as what they typically do. Right. right. Cause it hasn't, it hasn't, you see Jalen and there's been a clear year over year leap. And so you think about a guy who's younger than him, who I think a lot of people have built up to be more talented than him just because he had success earlier in his career than Brown. Yeah. Uh, I think, I, I think Tatum has a much higher ceiling than Brown. If I'm being fully blunt, I think Brown, I'm a big Jalen Brown guy, but like Tatum has absolute championship ace wing superstar potential he could be one of the five best players in the nba in due time it might come before he's 25 years old so the fact that it has just maintained from the bubble and hasn't gone to another level while his teammate has clearly gone to another level it is not a fair um it's not a fair comparison but it is going to ding him a little bit in the narrative game that we play and his numbers are are excellent i mean he's up 2 points per game um you know the the rebounds are still there the assists he's actually passing the ball i think you alluded to that earlier he has two more assists per game now the shooting is a little less efficient but it's still really efficient he's still an absolute game changer and you have to take into account the amount of games that he's missed this year which uh is is a bit of a knock on him because of the covid situation uh i, I think i think that he'll find his stride in the second half but ultimately this is something we're judging for the first half okay so the fourth guy that i think is just like a flat out no doubter is bam out of bio uh really yes okay and listen i'm not getting i'm not gonna slander bam for you so and the reason that i think he's a no doubter is his play on both ends he is still one of the 10 best defensive players in the nba Mm mm-hmm but he's taken a real leap on offense that I don't think enough people have noticed. He is no longer yeah. just like initiator at the top of the key to pass. He is like grabbing and going. And if you don't pick him up in transition, he's going to pull up and shoot now. And he can like yeah. straight up pull up and shoot now. He's averaging 20 points, nine rebounds, mm-hmm. 
almost six assists per game. He's shooting 57% from the field. Um, he's yeah. still not taking threes. Most of his pull-ups are from mid-range, but like he's shooting 85% from the foul line now. And that's like really clearly kind of yeah, taken into his um, like play during the run of play, right? You can watch Bam mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh no, he can shoot now. And it's opened up the rest <laughs> of his game in like a pretty real way. Uh He's taking about two pull-ups per game now, uh, let alone like other catch and shoot shots. Uh, and he's yeah. making them at 47%. Like he's actually a wow. pretty real shooter now. Uh, no doubt. And has like a little floater game and has the ability to obviously finish around the basket at an, at an elite level. Still works in those dribble handoffs with Duncan Robinson exceptionally well. Uh, this Miami team is like coming pretty quickly, I think. Uh, you watched okay. the game against the Lakers over the weekend. They were yeah. um, really, really good in that game. <laughs> like, is that a game that we want to judge the Miami Heat on? Or is maybe that a game that we should judge the L.A. Lakers on? Because I'm very strong in the camp of the Lakers are not impressive without Anthony Davis anchoring their defense. That's that's my yeah, overall stance. I'm, I'm not sure I'm in on Miami. Yeah, I think that they're gonna get there like miami's okay. 13 and 17 right now and okay we're gonna have to have a conversation a bigger conversation about jimmy butler at some point but with yeah. bam you basically have a 20 point nine rebound six assists per game guy who is also a top 10 defender in the nba that guy's an all-star like there's just not really another way to put it i understand that they're four games under 500 yeah. he's it's just like kind of clear to me that he's an all-star I get that. I, I, listen, I'm not, I didn't have him as an absolute surefire. I had him as a, what the NBA would call wild card. So he was a little bit further down on my list. But uh, I, I don't disagree with you at all. He was an all-star last year, and he's better this year. So the logic is there. Uh, if you wanted to ding him on anything, it would be that his team hasn't been very good this year. Uh, we're not going to hold that. You know, we're not going to hold the feet to the fire, you know, fire for some other guys on this list. Uh, we'll just say they're all stars and we'll give them the benefit of the doubt in that regard. Uh, so even though the Heat have underachieved this year, Bam has not, again, having his best ever season or at least to date. Um, so, you know, I don't think that he should be held to a different standard. I was just a little bit stunned that that he qualified as an absolute no-brainer, you know, certain all-star for you. I thought that that camp would have been limited to Tatum, Harden, and, and Brown. So for him to get in there, was that was the only shock. Him being what? an all-star, not a shock at all. And I've actually got a fifth no doubt or two. Um, wow. I think you have to take Chris Middleton. Like, okay. Okay. I think there is no question that you have to take Chris Middleton as an all-star this year. He is averaging 20 points, six rebounds, six assists on 50, mm-hmm. 40, 90 right now. Yep. Like, and playing good defense, right. not elite defense like Bam does. That's my like, back. I, I would right. take Bam ahead of Middleton for sure. Right. But I think Middleton has been great this year. Uh, anytime no, no. that you're going 50, 40, 90 on the volume that he does, and you're doing it on real self creation, like they run yes. a lot of pick and roll stuff for him. Drew Holiday has been out for a good portion of this first half of the year. Mm-hmm. Like he has to create a lot for this Bucks team. And I don't think he's been better than Giannis by any stretch. Um, but he's been really good. He's been incredibly efficient as a shot creator. Like he has taken, I want to say it's like six pull up shots per game. And he's making them at like a 54 effective field goal percentage. It's mm. ridiculous how good he yeah. has been as a self creator this season. Uh, not many guys have to do more than him as a self creator. He actually has uh, more points than all but 14 players on pull up jumpers off the or pull up jumpers in half court settings okay. this year. Uh, yeah, which just given the modern game, that's almost always off the bounce. I mean, very rarely are you hitting a guy for a pull up jumper in the mid range. It's just not how offenses work much anymore. And he does like he can get to the mid range too. Like it's yeah, he's great at that as well. But like and honestly, yeah. like he does that more often than he does from three. But like he can get to the pull up three too. Right. He's you're right. Mid- Middleton's been unbelievable this year. His passing has taken a pretty substantial leap as well. He's always been like kind of an underrated. Um, he makes the right read and like finds open guys passer. I think he's yeah. actually like become a bit more of a damaging 
passer this year as mm-hmm. well. Uh, yeah, Long for me, a no doubter Hall of, or no doubter um, All Star. <laughs> Not a Hall Careful of Famer there. yet, um, but a no yeah, doubter All Star. I think the only knock that you can have on them is that the, the volume. You mentioned volume. It's clearly not a low number of shots. He's taking 15 shots per game, but uh, he, he isn't carrying, you know, massive offensive load. He's not up there with the guys who are taking 20 shots per game. So would yep. the efficiency fall off if he wasn't, if he was taking that number of shots? I, we will never know because he plays for the Bucks, and the Bucks won't be in a situation like that. So um, efficiency is the name of the game for me. So he's absolutely an all-star on, on my list. I had him as fourth overall here. So um, we just have different camps. You, you have uh, a bunch of guys who are no no doubters. I I, I would have uh, I would not have classified him as such, but alas, he's on absolutely on my list, and I didn't even consider dropping him out. So uh, maybe maybe we are on the same camp as just a semantical argument, right? And like maybe it's worth comparing him to some of these other uh, guys in the conversation, right? Real quick, right. guys that like play his position. So Jeremy Grant this year uh, is mm-hmm. averaging more points, but. I mean, you watch Jeremy Grant play, like you don't feel like he is as damaging as a Chris Middleton, right? Uh, He gets a a lot of thing. Yeah, it gets a lot of his shots from three uh, on catch and shoot threes. Uh, not nearly as good of a passer. About the same no. defensively, I would say. Uh, I That's think fair. Middleton is pretty damn close to as good as Grant is. Grant, you can say, is maybe a little bit twitchier, can take on uh, a little bit of a tougher assignment here and there. But yep. I think Middleton's a bit smarter off the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of just simple. Like whenever I watch the two, like I think that Middleton is just affecting winning basketball a lot more, whereas Jeremy grant uh is just taking a lot of shots and still not being as damaging especially inside the arc uh mm-hmm. as middleton is let alone with the ability to like create pull up threes which he's improved at but it's just kind of not the same not the same level right what about a guy like zach levine who is just a, a brilliant shot creator but is going up against two defenders seemingly every time for a bad basketball so, team I, I want to have a longer conversation about Levine okay. in a little bit here. So I kind of want to okay. knock out some of these guys that I think are just like, so like in the conversation. Jeremy Grant, you, you and you and I are both in agreement that Jeremy Grant's not an all-star, that he's in the yeah. conversation, but he's not an all-star. Okay. Tobias Harris is another one. Like Tobias Harris is having a great Good. year. He's averaging 21, eight and three. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I watch Tobias Harris, a lot of his shots are created for him. Whereas mm-hmm. Middleton is creating a lot more of his shots, Right. Absolutely. Harris has Absolutely. been really good this year. I would um, not begrudge the coaches for picking him. Uh, and let me be clear about that. It's too. So t- like, that's so tough, though. With, there's so much. Good, there's so many good players. There's going to be a couple of guys who are left out who clearly, I think, exceed the, the level of Harris, even though Harris, again, direct, has been really good. No, I agree. I think that there are quite a few guys here that are just like considerably closer. Like he's not even like in my finalists for these last that's two picks. Um Right. I think he's been great this year. And I think all the guys we're going to talk about have just been fucking exceptional this year. Like they've East been was tough. East was the, tough to the East is really hard. This, all of these guys that we're going to mention, I think really like very well could have made the all-star game each of the last couple of years. Um, For sure. It's just that the level this year in the East has risen in a real way. Like Gordon Hayward. I think Gordon Hayward's been awesome this year. I can't even like come close to getting Gordon Hayward on this all-star team. Like yeah. Gordon, Gordon Hayward is the number one guy on a Charlotte Hornets team that has been way better than anticipated. Like they are almost 500. He's averaging 22, six and four on 48, 43, 86. He's been awesome. He's been a closer been for really them good. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it's just not even really all that close. Like, no, yeah, I, like I would pick Gordon Hayward ahead of like Tobias Harris and probably over Siakam and uh, mm-hmm. honestly like another guy that has come up heavily in these conversations is Demonis Sabonis because he has the yes crazy counting numbers. Mm-hmm. He didn't really even get to like my final five guys for these last two spots. It, it's tough. I, I he was my last, well, my second to last guy who who didn't make it. Um, 
I just love. I, I I've been a Sabonis head for a long time. Uh, I just love what he's done this year. I don't know if it's some big jump or anything like that, but he feels a lot. It looks like he's a lot more comfortable in that role. And I guess he does, you know, Indiana does deserve some credit for having good players around him. Uh, always a level of competency. They're well coached. Miles Turner has made a huge jump. I mean, I don't know if he's made a huge enough jump to get back into the conversation for the All-Star game. But um, so, OK, so here's my hot take. <laughs> okay. I think Miles Turner has been better than Demonis Sabonis this year. I, I, it's hard to disagree with that, honestly. Um, now, this just comes down to how you value things. If you do like the counting stats, the bonus is doing 21, 11, almost 12, and almost 6 per game. I mean, 21, 12, and 6 with a steal is pretty damn good. That's pretty damn good. Now, it, Turner has been a beast, and he he's one of, of the five players. best defenders in the NBA right yes. now. There's a lot of good. I was going to say there's a lot of really good defenders. He is in the running for defensive player of the year, which might be the toughest defensive player of the year race I can remember in recent memory. So yep. it says something. It says something. Um, but so, it, so here's I know here's my Sabonis problem. is the alpha of that team, right? Like Sabonis is the alpha, and I think but, that he's more comfortable in that this year. So here's my problem with Sabonis. Yeah, the Pacers are overall a plus one point five team in terms of net rating. When Sabonis is on the court, they are minus 2.8. When he's off the court, they are plus 13. I mean, it's a good stat. Um, There is something to be said for the fact that the Pacers are a team that most of their their, – the way that the Pacers are a really good team year in and year out is because they're deep. And so they kill on second units. They just destroy second units. They do. And when you get you get all the good starters on the floor together, the Pacers don't necessarily match up, even with Turner making that leap, because you're still but even Edmund like Sum- uh, Edmund Sumner out there. And you know, as much as I love Xavier, that guy ain't doing it for me. And like they do, they use Sabonis like a pretty real amount with the second unit, right? But like yeah, even with Turner. Like they're better when yeah, Miles Turner's on the Turner. court. Like they're they're four points better than their opposition when Miles Turner's on the court, versus worse than their opposition when Turner's off the court. Right? Like yeah. th- this is not a um, this is not a situation where I think the counting numbers are quite as reflective of Sabonis's value as just like you kind of have to watch them a little bit. And whenever I watch the Pacers, and like maybe this is me being like fucking hipster basketball Sam, right? <laughs> and like I don't mean to do yeah. that. I fucking hate when I do right. this. But like Miles Turner is driving wins for them more than Sabonis is, I think, whenever I watch them. His ability to shut down the interior defensively and move his feet on the perimeter has been much more important to the Indiana Pacers this year than Miles Turner or, or than uh, Demonis Sabonis. Yeah, my my flip, flip side argument of that, and I, I don't disagree with what you just said, but who's getting buckets for this team other than Sabonis? So like, I'm I'm glad you asked. Malcolm okay. Brogdon's been awesome this year. Like, I know, I know, but it, like Malcolm Brogdon this year is 22 points a game on 44, 40, 90. He has been incredible yeah. this year. I think not, that Sabonis is better than him. And I think that, like, if you're not taking Sabonis, you can't take Brogdon. Um, right. But, man, I think Brogdon's been great. And I think that their overall supporting cast gets, like, dinged a little bit more than it should. Um, this has been, mm. like, something of a career year for Doug McDermott. Uh, he's been yes. really good. Uh, Jeremy Lamb has come back fully from his ACL tear in the games that he's played at least. Um, He's a nice role player. Yeah. Like he's, he's been really good. He's averaging like 12 points on 50, 50, 90 this year. So like when he's played and he's played all of their games, uh, basically since like mid January rolled around, if I remember correctly, um, like he's been a really good offensive weapon for them. Like they have actual offensive talent on this team. I think Turner is way more important and way better for them than, like maybe not way like i think way is probably a drastic overstatement on my part but when i watch the pacers i think (laughs) turner is more important for them than sabonis is and i can't quite get to the point where i think miles is an all-star over some of the guys that we're going to talk about here momentarily well i'm with you there because i don't think sabonis is um that said i I did give him i'm I'm a sabonis guy and i think that he's better than he was last year and i think that the deficiencies in his game haven't been necessarily alleviated but that's not to say 
that he still isn't really good. Now, it speaks to the level of improvement that we've seen around the Eastern Conference, and it helps when you add, you know, (laughs) James Harden and Kevin Durant and Jalen Brown takes a huge leap, and Joel Embiid is a legit MVP candidate in a way that he hasn't been before, and he's been damn good his entire career, and Bradley Beal is the NBA's leading scorer. It speaks to the overall improvement of the Eastern Conference that a guy who was absolutely an all-star last year in Sabonis, who has gotten, I think, markedly better, is not even in consideration for a team that is a surefire playoff squad. So, and you know what? Like yeah, he should be, he absolutely should be in consideration. And like, I think the whole point of this conversation is like that he is in consideration. But like yeah, I but said, like it, I, can, when, I couldn't when, get to the point where he's in my last five names, for these two spots. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it can like ser- maybe serious consideration is a better way to phrase it because you you run through you know the names at least that I have, and I imagine that we're going to be in cahoots on the seven that make it here. Um, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to imagine him leaping into <laughs> into that group and leaping over some of the guys that, that he would have to leap over. And we've already mentioned all the names, so it's just a matter of uh, slotting them out. Um, and so, like, let, let's also talk about, like, another all-offense, not-as-good defensive center in Nikola Vucevic. This is probably Vucevic's yeah. best season. Uh, he did make so an all-star awesome. team in 2019. <laughs> Um, yeah, he it, is it carrying hurt me, Sam, to not put him on on this team. It he is me. carrying Orlando right now. Um, I probably, if we're being honest, I think he's probably having a better year than Sabonis. Um, he is. No, he is. I'm with you. He is. It's harder for him because he doesn't have the offensive talent around him that Sabonis does, and he's still yeah. getting 24 a night and passing the ball well and initiating this offense a lot of the time. Like mm-hmm. I would say that right now, the way that I would order these guys. And like I said, we're going to get to five finalists for these last two spots that I had. Okay. I would order them. What that would be. That'd be what five, 10, 15. <laughs> so we're at like, I would have what, like miles turn. I would have. Yeah, probably Turner 16. Vucevic 17, Sabonis 18, wow. Gordon Hayward 19 or so. Okay. And then we should also mention the Raptors guys as well very briefly. Yeah. Uh, Siakam has just n- had not quite as strong of a year as he did last year. He yeah. hasn't been nearly as efficient, um, hasn't yeah. been up to his normal standard. Uh, He's not. He has also just had a few too many uh poor late game scenarios that i think have clouded the narrative on him he has not been bad this year i still think he's a top 25 player in the east but he is not um not quite as high a level a guy as what i was hoping for uh from him this season and then fred van vliet is great I can't get Fred Van Vliet really even into this conversation, if we're going to be yeah, honest. 20 points per game, six and a half assists, four and a half rebounds. Uh, you know, he, he goes off against Orlando. Uh, I don't know if that, it, 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 as much as we want to be, you know, clear minded and objective, at some point, you know, national TV games, big games that everybody's watching do matter a little bit in this bad boy. And Fred, as good as he's been and as important as he has been to the Raptors this year, especially when Pascal was really struggling for stretches, Fred really picked up the slack. Uh, Lowry, there, there's been, you know, <laughs> there's some issues there, I think is the nice way to put it. Uh, he's still Kyle Lowry, but no one knows what's going on with him in Toronto long term. Like Fred has taken over and given, you know, the entire city of Toronto, the entire country of Canada, a vessel by which to pour their hopes and dreams into but the counting numbers just aren't there. And the performances against teams where everybody's watching while they've been good, they haven't been the kind of great that's necessary to, to leapfrog into consideration with just some absolutely brilliant, brilliant basketball players. Yeah. Um, let's get to the final five here. So okay. for two spots, Ben Simmons, Trey Young, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Jimmy Butler. Okay. So I hate to say this because I think, I would love nothing more than for Julius Randle. And I thought initially that Julius Randle would be like a pick for me. No, Sam, no, don't do this. You don't have to. You can change your mind right now. I would love nothing more than for him to be an all-star. I just can't do it. Oh, 
Oh, Sam, you're killing me. You're killing me. So you have Julius in. He has to be an all-star. He has to be an all-star. He's going 23-11-5.5 for a Knicks team that is resurgent. That matters a little bit. That matters a little bit to me. He is absolutely their first, their last, their everything. He's been a dude. He's been a dude all season long. While I would like the counting number, particularly in points, to be a smidge higher, he's going for 23-11 and as a power forward big. And he, he has the ball in his hands all the time. And while defense yeah. is always going to be an issue, like the Knicks are a really good defensive team. So it's not like he, he's absolutely torpedoing no, he, he's him. He's been fine on defense this year. There's That's honestly, he, he was my toughest omission here. I just, um, I just think, I just think that you got it. I think he had to give it up for Julius Randle this year. I think, I think he's earned it more. I think that, I think he hits in a lot of tiebreakers for me if we were doing that. Uh, but again, 23 and 11 for a dude who is being asked to do so much for a good basketball team. I can't believe I'm saying that. I think the Knicks are a good basketball team. I don't know how long it lasts, but right now they're a good basketball team. So Julius is in. Sorry. I'm over adding you. <laughs> I can't get there. So okay, well tell me tell me who tell me who you put over him, and so you so can just break my heart twice. I do just want to knock out Trey Young really quickly. Um, Agreed. He would be fifteen for me. Um, Fair enough. The Hawks have not been very good since their strong start. I think he plays a pretty real role in their defensive play struggling. Uh, he has yeah. not been quite as just incredible offensively as what he's been in the past. I know that the numbers are like pretty close. Like yeah. he's down three points per game, but that's mostly just because he's playing with better teammates. Um, but you compare him to someone like Zach Levine. Yeah. I actually think Levine is like very clearly having a better offensive season. Um, he's averaging 29, five and they're in the same camp. That's where I'm at. Yeah. He's averaging 29, five awesome. and five Levine. Uh, 52 43 86 he has a 60.7 effective field goal percentage like he's just straight up Mm -hmm. one of the most efficient scorers in the nba point blank period yeah he is a monster every single game every single goddamn game he is just for a beast for a bad basketball team by the way bad basketball team that doesn't know anything about itself under billy donovan other than get the ball to zach levine I mean, sometimes you got White, who looks like he could go for a 30, and then some nights he goes scoreless. Uh, you know, you have this constant rotation of big men. Um, you, yeah. don't, you just don't know. I don't want to belabor the Bulls in an all-star conversation because that seems oxymoronic at this juncture in time. But uh, Levine has been incredible. And if he's not an all-star this year, he's never going to be an all-star. I mean, yeah. just full, full stop. I mean, it's, it's one thing with Trey Young where – he still has a lot of room to grow. I think it should also be noted that Trey Young is kind of playing a gross brand of basketball this season where he clearly just watched James Harden highlights all off season and said, Oh, that's a good way to get, you know, get numbers, but it's not an appealing brand of basketball to watch. So I'm going to ding him on that. Um, and he doesn't play defense. Levine doesn't play defense, but he's playing more defense than he used to, which yeah. I don't know if he deserves credit for that in this scheme of things. But and, from and like your, part of your it standpoint, with, he deserves credit for it. <laughs> part of it with Levine too is like he is not the Bulls' problem on defense. Um, no, 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 no. Like no. them learning a new drop coverage. Reasons. Yeah, like them learning a new drop coverage scheme was an enormous problem early in the season. Uh, Kobe White is yeah. terrible on defense. Like he is. Uh-huh. Oh my god, bad. Yep. Um, Patrick Williams yeah. still a rookie on defense, right? Like he's still figuring I really, things out. I really out. like Patrick Williams, though. So, oh, Sam, if I could have twelve seconds to talk about Patrick Williams, this guy's going to turn into something special. I'm really, I think he's going to be really good. I'm too. Really feeling him. Yeah, I'm feeling it. But that is a long ways away. <laughs> yeah, like he's right now. He's he looks learning. like he's 19 years old and didn't start for Florida State. That's what he looks like. And like Otto Porter is dealing with like huh. back injuries, right? Um, And when he's played, by the way, Otto Porter's been really good. It's a huge bummer that he is not able to stay healthy because when he's played, he's actually been really helpful for them just in terms of like being connective tissue for their rotation. But yeah, like Zach Levine is not the reason they're bad. And he's averaging 29 points on like a 65 true shooting percentage while being at the top of scouting reports every single night. Zach Levine is an all-star for me. The only guy that I see guarded 
well, two guys that I see guarded with more vigor on a nightly basis than Zach Levine or Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. I mean, in the backcourt, whenever you watch it, yeah, when you watch Zach Levine, it's like, Jesus, this guy's got three guys on him at all times because one, you can get away with that when you're playing the Bulls because who's going to burn you? Oh, no, they yeah. got it to Wendell Carter in the high post. Um, it, it's it's the same thing with the Warriors and the, and the Blazers, it should be noted. But Levine has been Levine has been as good as you could possibly imagine. Some of the shots that this dude makes are just flabbergasting. Um, yeah. it, it's been a real joy. I'm not, and I have to I have to come clean on this. I have been a big Zach Levine hater for his entire Bulls tenure. I just I, I thought that he played a losing brand of basketball. He still liked. I don't <laughs> I think he does clear. anymore. I mean, I'm honestly I'm going to be still, real about that. I don't think yeah, he does I mean, anymore. It, 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 I'm I, the fact that I'm out here praising, you know, spreading the gospel of Zach Levine is a I think a fair indication that uh, I, I have changed my tune on him. If he still does, then I need to recalibrate my shit. That that speaks more to me than it does to him because every time I watch him, it's like. The only <laughs> he's the only reason the Bulls have a chance on a nightly basis. Yeah, he really is. And um, yeah, I just don't. I just the counting numbers, the efficiency, the the difficulty, the level of difficulty. Yeah, uh, I just think I think I think it would be a, an egregious misservice, disservice to uh, to to leave him out of this because he's absolutely an all star. And I don't know if he's going to make it more than once. <laughs> yeah, I, I need Zach Levine on my all star team as well. So he's one of my cool. picks. Cool. Okay. The, the last two that it came down to for me, and we can throw Julius Randle into these three here. 100%. 100%. Is Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler. So it's the other two. You have Butler on the team. So I want to talk about that because... Yeah, I want to hear this. Ben Simmons this year. Let's start with Ben. Also, can we just note who the fuck am I that I'm arguing against Jimmy Butler and for Zach Levine? Like, bulls have warped my brain beyond... <laughs> That's that's where I'm at right now. Jimmy Butler, my, my, arguably my favorite player in the history of the NBA. And I'm like, nah, he's not an all-star this year. But Zach Levine, who I've cursed at my television for years on end since the Bulls got rid of Jimmy Butler, I'm now just totally in on. Yeah, no, it's quarantine great. has really fucked me up, man. <laughs> so with Ben, Ben has been unbelievable since like... Honestly, like since the Harden trade, it feels like, um, mm-hmm. like maybe that like clicked something for him. I don't really know. Um, uh, but- I mean, it kind of makes some sense. He was in all the trade rumors up until that point, and then the trade rumors went away. And Maury goes on, you know, some other podcast and is like, "Hey, you know, Ben Simmons is brilliant and fantastic, and we're going to have him and Embiid forever, and you can, you know, take my paycheck on that." And ever since then, he's been awesome. I don't, I don't think it's that hard to figure out what happened. So. <laughs> Ben this year, over the course of his last 15 games, so the second half of his season, basically, so far, mm-hmm. 17 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 59% from the field, and he's been even better defensively in that time than what he was early he's arguably He's arguably the defensive player of the year, which yeah. is saying something, given this, given this crop. Uh, yeah, I mean, very clearly a top five defensive player this year. Yeah. Early in the season, he was bad, though. Like, yep. We kind of need to like call that out. Like his first twelve, it is a whole half award, right? It is a whole yeah. Half award. Like his first twelve games, he averaged twelve points, eight rebounds, seven assists, turned it over four times a game on fifty-one yeah. percent from the field. So like he was not great for the first part of this season. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler didn't play in those games. Right? Like, Jimmy Butler missed time. (laughs) Jimmy Butler has been, like, undeniably better in the games that he's played than Ben has, I think. Like, Ben is a better defender, but Jimmy is just much better offensively. Since Jimmy Butler has returned from that injury, he's averaging 21-9-9. And he's playing good defense. And by the way, like, we talk about the Heat not being good enough. Miami is 10-8 and in the games that Jimmy has played this year. Like, they've been pretty good. No, that's factual. That's factual. So, like... The way that I kind of thought about this was I went through and like looked at the games where I would say Ben Simmons has been really good in this game, like has been Mm all-star quality in this game versus Mm -hmm. the games where Jimmy Butler, I felt was all-star quality this year. Those games, like it's like around 12 to like 14 for each of them. Like it's not, it's not that far off. And I know that Jimmy didn't play in a Mm -hmm. lot of those games, but like, 
Ben was just not very good in a lot of those games early in the season either. So, like, Fair. should he get credit for that? I, I don't know whether, like, should he just get it's credit good, for being on the court? Like, he did make an impact in a lot of those games defensively. Like, I think that's a real argument if you want to make it. It's not a question if he deserves credit for those games. It's does he deserve more credit for playing than, he, than Jimmy doesn't? And I don't know the answer to that. I think the way that you broke it down makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That that's the way to do it. Okay, we have to take away the bottom. And for that, that means Ben Simmons games that you did play. And for Jimmy Butler, that means games that you didn't play. And if you want to, you know, have a different barometer, you know, be our guest. These are just two folks' opinions. Um, so what yeah, are like, the high ends? At the end of the day, like, Jimmy has missed 12 games. Like, yeah. that's not it's a not lot of games. Yeah. Like, in the grand scheme of things. he. Nor is it that many, it, nor is it that many games to be kind of crappy in, by the way. I mean, no, it's not. Oh, no. Like, he, he missed kind of crappy like for 12 games. Yeah. Like, I think he was hurt for like three weeks, Jimmy. And it feels like yeah. it feels overly punitive to me to be like, oh, this guy missed three weeks. We need to knock him out of the all-star com- conversation. You know what I mean? Well, the, the reason I'm knocking him out of the all-star conversation is I don't think he's been very efficient on offense this year. <laughs> so I understand why you would say that. I don't. He's shooting 16% from three. I know that that's not his game, but like. He's still taking, you know, two of them a game. I mean, he's it's it's rough. And the Jimmy Butler, this is this is an issue of Jimmy Butler having a a very, you know, high baseline. This is a guy who goes hard every night and he is not playing up to the standards that he set in prior years. And while maybe when you compare the current edition of Jimmy Butler to everybody else, you can say he's an all star. He's not an all star version of himself. And so it's very hard for me to give him the benefit of well, the doubt that he should I, get in over Simmons. I think he is now. Like I think that he is now, first, but like, it's, it's a, a cumulative award to a certain degree. Yeah. I mean, as much as we're trying to figure out which games matter and which games don't, like the last week, I don't know, man. Like <laughs> you had well, certain I, grades. I think it's, you had I think certain it's grades on the ledger. Like I think well, it's when since do you the think it really of, started? I think it's since the end of January. Like. Okay, so month of February, he's been he's been awesome. I don't know if I yeah. I don't know if I've thought to myself I've watched I'd say probably seven or eight Heat games. Well, shit, have they even had seven or eight games in the month of February? Because uh, I did have a bunch of COVID stuff. I've watched a good deal of Heat games here. Uh, I've watched four in the last you know seven days. It seems like um, I just I don't I don't get the same feelings watching Butler play. I, I think that there is been something, and this is not a negative. This is something that I'm certain they will figure out. But I do feel like Jimmy is having to be a bit more deferential because of Bam's come up, and they haven't quite totally figured out how to optimize playing together quite yet. It feels like Jimmy's forcing up a little bit some stuff, trying to take advantage of too many offensive possessions, and they still, you know, they and there's a lot of cohesion issues in general in that team because they've been so banged up, so. You know, so just well, and because like a lot team. of their a lot of their lower rotation guys have just been not very good. Like Tyler Hero has totally. been really good this year. Um, Duncan Robinson has been his typical like just ridiculous yeah. shooting self. Um, but even like Duncan's level, but like even Duncan's level has been okay. Like Kendrick Nunn has been hmm. a good shooter over the course of the last little while. He was terrible to start the year. Goron is still totally. not like totally there i don't think yeah um, i think if you get kelly olenic has not been Goron very good this year it's been bad it's been yeah andre has bad. not been very good this year um andre I, yeah this this physically hurts me to say this but andre's it's it might be over for andre it's, yeah it's like probably over for andre. like precious achua is not an offensive threat in the slightest and has played every game nope. for the miami heat this year um they do like his defense though and i can't blame yeah. him and gabe vincent has played 20 games for the miami heat this year and like gabe vincent Great story. Also, thirty five percent from the field and twenty three from three. Yeah, right? No, like no, we're not we're not doing that right now. No. Yeah, they're not, not that's getting not how you get back to the finals. Yeah, like the the Heat's problem is not that they're not getting enough from Bam and Jimmy when they're on the court. The problem is I that they're not getting enough from everyone else. And I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I'm just saying it would be nice if the high was a little bit higher. And I also want to I also want to make note that I think Simmons has been a significantly notably better defensive player than Jimmy this year. 
Yeah, well, yeah, because Ben's like a very clear top five defender in the NBA. Jimmy is like a top yeah, twenty five I mean, defender in the NBA. Like, there's like, there are Jimmy turns it on. Yes. There when there are levels to this, but when Jimmy turns it on, and maybe this is me just being a Jimmy stan and, and coming back, you know, from years past. But when Jimmy turns it on, there are a few guys I want on the ball on the perimeter more than Jimmy Butler. I know that he isn't as long, but he's got the dog, and I love having that dog in him, and that's why he's been you know kind of a tried and true playoff performer um he always brings it on that side and he brings it pretty much every night it has I, I haven't i haven't seen it i haven't seen it i just haven't seen jimmy butler and thought to myself there's the jimmy butler there's james buckets esquire there's the guy who just <laughs> again one of my favorite players of all time that just like that is the the prototypical wing for me that's the guy that i want out there i haven't i haven't felt that sort of way about him and then that's that's the ding i have at this juncture maybe maybe i haven't been paying close enough attention maybe i wasn't paying close enough attention in the past i don't know it just doesn't seem like he's the jimmy butler of old and i'm hoping just for my own viewing pleasure's sake that he gets back to that point the fact is he doesn't have that far to go just given some of the numbers and then clearly what we've seen over the last couple of weeks here but um he's just he's just not the same guy. And I think that Simmons, I think Simmons has taken a couple of pretty positive steps forward. They're smaller because again, he is this blindingly brilliant player and on some, but I think, whoa, shit, was it Denver or Utah when Simmons, Embiid wasn't there and Simmons just took the game over and it was held Utah, up Philadelphia, yeah. Utah. Like that, that, that game told me a lot about where Simmons is at this juncture. He used to be able to do that, but that felt more controlled and more clean than in years past and uh, well they they used them more as a short roller they you and this was without mm-hmm. joel because so they were able to use them right. in that way right like you can't really use good it point in that way whenever joel is out there because it's just a little bit too cluttered spacing wise um but he was he was the best player on the floor with some damn good players man we'll talk yeah. about the western conference in due time but like you're like god damn is there any answer for ben simmons on offense i mean how many times do you say that no, there wasn't. It was unbelievable. It, he was great in that game. By the way, like, if we're going to throw Julius Randle in this conversation, too, like, mm-hmm. the Knicks are one game better than the Miami Heat right now, and everyone's talking about the Knicks. Like, they're this mm. incredible story that's awesome, and everyone thinks Miami is like a dumpster fire right now. Like, yeah. I don't know that I can be I, like... I would, I, would, I would like to establish that we're talking about the Knicks, the perennial NBA laughingstock and the Miami Heat, whose new uniforms might be a laughingstock, but did play in the NBA finals uh, months ago. Like, just a matter of months ago. I, see, like, so I, I understand that. where you're coming from, and it's a good point. It's a good point. I'm not taking the point away from you. But, like, we do not do not chastise people for celebrating the Knicks. They need this, Sam. They no, need this no, so no. Like, the Knicks fans should be excited. They should absolutely be super pumped about how good this Knicks team is and how competent they look. But at the same time, like, I don't think... They're going to kill in the play-in tournament. They're going to kill it. They're going to be awesome in the play-in tournament. But, like, I don't think we give, like, team credit to Julius Randle over Jimmy Butler because they're one game better than the Miami Heat this year. And, oh, by the way, in the games that Jimmy Butler's played, the Heat are 10-8. and So, like... yeah. But you already have a Heat All-Star. You're saying two All-Stars from the Miami Heat. That's the argument you're making, whereas nobody's making any argument for, I don't know, quickly? I don't know. Like Who else would no. even be in the conversation for the Knicks? That's a good point. Tom Thibodeau? Well, Barrett's been their second best player, but like, yeah. I don't... I had a weird you might be convincing me on Randall a little bit. You might be you might be swinging me I'm on Julius saying, Randall a little bit. If, if not for Julius Randall, the Knicks would be in the... Wizards, Cavaliers, Pistons category, or or in that Hawks Magic tranche right below the Miami Heat in the standings. But right now they're in that like Hornets, Raptors, Heat, Bulls area, which will separate itself here pretty soon. I don't know if I want to burn you know the Pacers quite yet, but like there's there are levels to this, as you said. And Julius Randle is doing. Yeah, I, I, I have a hard time saying that the Miami Heat deserve two All-Stars for this year. That, that's maybe, maybe, maybe that's the, the cut and dry of it. And I'm with you on Bam. I am, because he's clearly been awesome. Um, I, I just, <laughs> I, I'm going to keep repeating myself, so we might as well move on. <laughs> you have Jimmy Butler, I don't. <laughs> it's no See, I don't know. Well, I'm like starting to rethink Randall now, because... Who, who's, who, who else is helping him? I mean, R.J. Barrett yeah. hasn't been... 
some spectacular player. I mean, everyone's talking about Emmanuel quickly, like he's the second coming of Jordan. But like, come on, let's have a coming to Jesus. I mean, so our our good friend John Hollinger wrote his yeah. story, and I, I want to ask you if this argument sways you. Um, okay. Will it look ridiculous if we don't have Jimmy Butler at the end of the season when Jimmy Butler like very well could end up being an All NBA player? Um, uh, that's really that's a great that's a great question. No, on the basis again. Of, I don't think that the Heat... I, I, I've maintained this for several weeks. Uh, and I, I've been concerned, and I, I maintain many of my concerns about the Heat despite better play as of late. Um, they don't strike me as a team that can get real hot, ironically, given their name. Like, they don't... Right now, they're 13-17 and 17 as we speak. That means that they got to go on a five or a six or a seven game bender in a positive way. And they just strike me as a squad that's going to have a really hard time stretching together three straight wins. So many of their games are just scrappy. That's the heat, right? Like That's their identity. And with the lack of talent on the deep end of their bench, the, just the, the, the lack of cohesion this year, maybe Dragic comes back and everything gets fixed and we're all A-OK. Um, we can argue that they overachieved a little bit last year. I thought that they were an exceptional team. They had great matchups, all that stuff. I just have a hard time. You know, you look at some teams in the East, like the Bucks have been sliding lately. They're still four games over. Like the Bucks are going to have 40 wins out of what? How many is it? Is it 72 this year? So they're going to have 50 wins probably at the end of this. You have the Nets, you have the Sixers. I think the Celtics will start figuring it out, especially if they get a point guard. Like, I, I think that the Heat are clearly in a second tier in the Eastern Conference at best. So the notion of Jimmy Butler being an all-NBA all player, it could very well happen because he's excellent. He's Jimmy Butler. But I think Bam is going to get the lion's share of the credit for both what has already been, you know, what has been deemed success for the Heat and moving forward, what will be, you know, whatever they are. I think people will say, well, that's Bam out of Bios team now. And that matters because it's narrative-based stuff. So... Just for reference on the Hollinger argument, it doesn't really sway me for what it's worth. I just wanted to bring it up to you. Um, <laughs> the reason that it doesn't sway me is because we have to consider this first half as an independent event, in my opinion. Like, I yeah. understand that, like, we need to consider um, past performances when using small sample sizes and everything, like, for what future performance is going to look like. But for me, All Star is a reward for players who have performed through this point of the season. Right. You know what? Honestly, I think you've swayed me on Julius Randle. I think you really have. Hot damn. Hot um, damn. That's, that's a win for Papa Dietz. Jesus I fucking Christ. You called yourself Papa Dietz. We need to have a conversation off air about that Papa was, Dietz. It, it, go, it goes back a way <laughs> long way. That's, that, that's, that's, that, I, I can say Is, is Papa Dietz your get... Papa John uh, uh, alter ego? <laughs> As I said, I have been eating roughly three pizzas a day. Um, it is uh, no Papa, Papa Dietz goes way back. I think it goes back to like seventh grade, and I I not I did not give myself the nickname. Just at some point, someone said Papa Dietz, and it's stuck for a bunch of people. And so now I don't know. It's what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? It's hard the, enough when you got a name like Dieter. You got to take the small wins, whereas like you get a, a fairly interesting, you know, benevolent nickname. <laughs> I didn't have too many benevolent nicknames growing up. <laughs> so the reason I think you've swayed me on Randall is the consistency throughout the year. I think he's been consistently better than Simmons. Oh, so Whereas you're dropping Simmons, Simmons. You're not dropping Butler. You're dropping Simmons. Well, no, I'm, I don't think I'm taking either of them. Simmons oh, okay, or Butler. Okay, okay. We, we have Levine for this sixth spot. Oh, right, we only have right, one right, spot right, left right, right. for all over the place. Jimmy Simmons and Levine, yeah, I know. Or Jimmy Simmons and Randall. Um, Okay, okay. Jimmy Simmons and Randall, that's tough. I I have Randall over Simmons as well, clearly. Um, I think I've mentioned that a few times. But yeah, I think I would too. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. If I'd rank those, I definitely have Butler last. You, you might even disagree with that, but so long as Randall is one, <laughs> I think I would have Randall one because he's just been consistently better. It's not like you can say he's been bad defensively this year. Um, they have a top three defense. I think he's done pretty well within the scheme. Um, he's not the difference maker Ben is by any stretch. Again, Ben Simmons top five you defender. To, you have to make the same argument for in the Hollinger argument with Jimmy Butler and the all all you know all NBA team thing. You have to make the same thing with Simmons. So clearly, it's for sure, 
No, it, the, the argument does not sway me because it's in this All Star is an independent construction of this weird 30 game sample. And regardless, like of the historical argument, like will history look at at these selections is ridiculous. Maybe, but at the end of the day, like this whole season's ridiculous. So I don't really care. (laughs) I I don't know. Uh, Do you ever think back to like, Oh, it was ridiculous that that guy was an NBA all-star that one year. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think that the only way that we look at all-star games as important is when someone hasn't gotten one. Like, yeah, I guess we'll talk with Mike Conley. Like, he, oh, it seems ridiculous. A guy who's been this good for this long hasn't been an all-star. Okay. Like, that. That. that's it. But, like, does, no one's does like, anybody, I can't believe that we made... Yeah, no one cares. Does, does anybody really care that Jamal McGlure made an all-star game? Well, I didn't know that up until this point, and so now I'm kind of, my day's kind of ruined now, now that I have that information in my head. Jamal McGlure, the 2004 all-star game. Oh, he did have kind of a good year in two... Was he, was he with the Nets that year? He was with the Hornets, if I remember Hornets. correctly. Um, yeah. J- Jamal McGlure had that cool thing where about every three years he'd show up and be really good. Yeah. His early career was like actually very interesting. By the way, Jamal McGlure led the mm-hmm. Eastern Conference in scoring in that All-Star game. So how could it be a mistake? He Couldn't have been a mistake. Couldn't be me. I'm not complaining about <laughs> Jamal McGlure making the All-Star <laughs> game. Um that's a good homework assignment for all every, all the listeners out there. Find me the worst all-star. Just uh, period. I just want the worst all-star. Oh, my God. Um, I, I can't even think of it. I can't. Okay. So our picks here are going to be. <laughs> Might be Julius Randle. <laughs> so the starters are Kyrie Beal, Katie, Giannis, Joel Embiid. Yep. We had no stay over that. Then James Harden, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Chris mm-hmm. Middleton, Bam Adebayo, Zach Levine, mm-hmm. Julius Randle. That's what we're going with. We are. We are in agreement. We are in agreement. We in, had some disagreements on who should uh, who should be up in the running for those final spots, but we're in agreement. I had Simmons as my first guy out, and uh, Nick Vucevic as my second guy out. I think I would go Simmons then Jimmy. Fair enough. <laughs> I think that that's. I think you've swayed me enough on this to where I would go I'm Simmons good. then Jimmy as thirteen and fourteen. Fifteen for me yep. would be Trey, and then okay. I think sixteen Turner. 17 Vucevic, 18 mm. Sabonis. I get, I get you on turnover Vucevic. I just really and, like and Vucevic's game. Any of those top 18 guys make it, I'm not really going to care all that much. I think it's like yeah. pretty reasonable. Um, Agreed. But yeah, for what that, that's worth, where I, I don't have a good. For what it's worth, I don't have a good feeling about Julius Randle making this team. Just throwing that out there. Just yeah. bad vibes. But just by the way, uh, the Celtics just. Uh, absolutely pissed away a 24 point lead midway through the third quarter to lose to the Pelicans. So, um, oh, that's well, good because I want to talk about the Pelicans in the next episode. Great. We're, we're going to have fun with the Pelicans because uh, <sighs> there is a, oh, it's a it is a spectacular thing that is happening right now. There is a burgeoning beefy child anybody. that is uh, <laughs> dominating basketball. He is. He is 19 years old. He is as wide as he is tall. He can jump over a refrigerator, and he's now a point guard, and it makes me so very happy. All right, Dieter, tell the people where they can find your work before we uh, stop and then start recording the uh, West. I, I could list them all off. Just follow me on Twitter at Dieter, D-I-E-T-E-R, though I might change it to at Papa Dietz after that little reaction from Sam. For the love of God, please don't. This has been the Game Theory <laughs> Podcast. Uh, tomorrow, I will have my rookie top 50 rookie scale contract slash prospect rankings in the NBA out. 50 through 36 is tomorrow. 35 to 21 is the next day. 20 to 11 is the day after that. And then Thursday is 10 to 1. So... Keep it locked at The Athletic. Go subscribe. Do everything you can to support the show. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with the second half of this conversation discussing the Western Conference All-Stars.